Live from the First Midwest Bank Studio on State Street, this is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. WMVP Chicago. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. Steps to the tackle, breaks a second, breaks a third. It's time to let go. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris. Brewer rolling out to his right. Oh, big time hit by Garrett Waller. Chicago's college tailgate. Flips off the edge. Brad Slaw doesn't see it. The ball's out. Is the turnover chain going to make an appearance? I thought I'd let you all know. Lobs it in the air. Oh. I think it's time to let go. Gary Jennings. The Tigers reclaim their crown by crushing Alabama. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ESPN 1000 CCT. Chicago's College Tailgate, Saturday afternoons on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Ah, that sounds like fall. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app as we do our NFL Draft Preview. Yes, there is a college football show here on ESPN 1000. It's hosted by yours truly, Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah, and uh, they are with me here on ESPN 1000. Chris, thanks for joining me. Jonathan, what's going on? I'm excited for the NFL Draft, one of my favorite days of the year heading into the weekend. I can't wait to see who's moving up, who's moving down, and what quarterbacks go where. My SEC brother, Adam Abdallah. What's up, brother? Jonathan, you know me. I got five screens ready. I got four <laughs> on the draft, two on on another old SEC game watching Alabama beat up on Arkansas. I know that six screens. I said five. That's just SEC math. That's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Chris, let me make sure I got it right with the schedule. Um, you two are going to be on Saturday with the draft uh, wrap-up, right? Well, yeah, and uh, Saturday from uh, 2.30 to 6. So we'll be on during the 6th and 7th rounds of the NFL draft on Saturday as things wrap up, but also looking back at what the Bears do in the second round with their two picks at 43 and 50, and obviously talking about the fallout from what we see tomorrow night in the first round as well. So, Adam, let's, let's start here. Tell me who was the best player you saw in college football last year. Ooh, the best player I saw was probably Joe Burrow. Just from what he did from an offensive standpoint, you know, I know a lot of people will say, you know, they'll go with, you know, with the safety or with something like that or with a corner. Um, but other than that, I think that Joe Burrow, obviously he won the Heisman. I think what he did now, he only did it in one year because if you look back and you look and try to see what he did uh, the year before in 2018, not as great, obviously. Joe Brady comes in changes that offensive system, leaves right away, goes to be the offensive coordinator of the Panthers. But Joe Burrow, the show he put on for one year in that one, not his entire college career, but if you just look at that one year for 2019, he was the best player. Uh, Chris, same question. The best player you saw in college football last year? Yeah, it's tough to go against Joe Burrow just because of the show that he put on last year. And I know uh, throughout the college football season, we usually have a segment each and every week, the Heisman hopeful and and we kind of take into account everyone up for the Heisman Trophy. It's like by the time we got to week seven, it was almost like we would get to the segment and look at each other and say, well, what's the point? Joe Burrow is going to win this. It was almost disappointing that Tua Tungabailoa got hurt when he did because based on the stats and what we were kind of expecting for the rest of the season, the final month of the year, we kind of thought Tua would make a maybe late push. Joe Burrow was clearly the best player in college football. And number two, would have to be Chase Young because in that Heisman conversation, for the extent of the season, Chase Young was in the conversation as a defensive end. And usually we don't see that in college football. So I would go Joe Burrow one, Chase Young two. 
Uh, Chris, Adam, Jonathan Hood with you. It's a special edition of Chicago's College Tailgate right here on ESPN 1000. You can follow uh, our show in the fall uh, at ESPN1000CCT. So if you're on Twitter, ESPN1000CCT is where you go. Chris, it's funny that you mentioned Tua because I, I, I'm just not sure with the different reports when we hear from Tua whether or not Tua will be ready to go when the season starts or not. I don't. You hear one story that uh, he hasn't run a 40 times. So you don't know how fast he is. And on the other side, it's like, well, we don't know whether or not he had a broken metatarsal or not. I, I'm really confused about the reports we're hearing. I just know that he is a terrific uh, quarterback that we saw in Alabama. So where do you place Tua amongst the best quarterbacks we're going to see on the next level? Well, you know, when, when we look at the guys heading into the draft this year, obviously the conversation at the top of the board is between Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. You know, to answer your question, what we're going to see from Tua at the next level, I think people are underestimating and they're relying too heavily on the being worried about the injury situation. And this is why we have modern medicine today. Athletes recover much quicker than they used to. And I get it. He had a severe injury this last year at Alabama, but so did Deshaun Watson at Clemson. You know, quarterbacks get injured, players get injured in college football, and they have very productive NFL careers. And I feel like there's a lot of smoke that's been out, especially in the last week and a half. And I think a lot of that is people putting out disinformation to hope that to a falls. And I think that's where you're going to see teams jumping up into the top 10 trying to get a player like this. Because if you go watch the highlights, if you watch them play in college football, Tua does things that other quarterbacks don't do, right? His elusiveness in the pocket while keeping his head, looking downfield, moving and manipulating defenders with his eyes, and then making that throw, the out throw, making a throw to a guy who he manipulated the safety off of. Those are all things that we don't see other college quarterbacks do. And I think just saying that, well, the medicals don't look good, we're not interested, I think a lot of that is smoke. And a lot of that is something to not actually be too concerned about. And, like, listen, if he gets hurt as a rookie and never plays in the NFL, I'll be wrong. But if he turns out to be the next Drew Brees, I would rather ride with something like that than being petrified of drafting the next great player. Adam, same question about Tua. Uh, how close can Tua be to Burrow on the next level? If you believe Burrow is the best in college, can Tua be the best out of this group? I think if he's 100% healthy, then yeah. He can be as good, if not better, than Joe Burrow. You know why? Because we saw it for more than one year. We saw it every time he set, step on, stepped onto the field. He was putting up great numbers. I mean, just if you take it without the injury, we talked about it. Chris mentioned it. We were doing the Heisman watch, and it was always, oh, Tua, Joe Burrow, and then the year before that it was Tua, Kyler Murray. And then what happened? Each year he got hurt. So he wasn't able to finish the season healthy. He wasn't able to you know, play in those last few games. And those guys stepped up and eventually went on to win the Heisman. If you look at some of the stats, you know, look at some of the stats that, that translate to the NFL. Completion percentage 20 yards down, 20 plus yards downfield. He was third in college football. Inside the pocket QBR, he was first in college football. 11 to, between 11 yards and 20 yards downfield, second in college football. QBR when blitzed and when pressured, second in, uh, in college football. So he's got the stats to go along with all the crazy plays that we would see on SportsCenter for those that didn't watch as closely as we do. But ultimately, you look at the system that Alabama was running, and the same with you know, Joe Burrow, they're running professional systems. Like this is the, these are the systems that are successful in, in the NFL right now. So as long as he's healthy, why wouldn't he be as good or better than Joe Burrow? It's all dependent on the health. You know, if he gets out there and he can't come over, you know, get over this, uh, the hip injury, then all is lost. But ultimately if he goes in and, and everybody clears him and he's healthy and he has no setbacks, then he could be just as good. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah with me, Jonathan Hood. We are Chicago's College Tailgate. We do our college football show in the fall right here on ESPN 1000. Follow the show at ESPN 1000 CCT. Adam, as we take a look at the wide receivers, right at the top is Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, two wide receivers that were great for the Crimson Tide. What did you remember most about their time in college, and what are your expectations for them on the next level? I think they'll be two of the better wide receivers in uh, out, of the, out of these rookies, obviously. Uh, I think that, you know, Jerry Judy was the best wide receiver out of the two of them. Ruggs was faster, but I think Judy has the the next, the ability to be better on the next level. Ruggs will beat your guy, but as far as route running, all that, Jerry Judy 
was the man. That's the other knock on Tua. You know, we're talking about these wide receivers. Well, the reason there are detractors of Tua Tungabailo is because of how good these wide receivers are. These guys, 50-50 balls weren't 50-50 for these guys. These guys were winning every matchup. These guys were, were outrunning people. And a lot, of, a lot of times when Tua would make things happen outside of the pocket, it was these guys that are breaking free off of their matchups to be able to get open and score as many points as they did. You know, you look at the the system that Sarkeesian was running, it really helped Tua, but it also helped these wide receivers because that's why they're looked at so high. Besides, you know, out of the top three, if you look at McShay's rankings right now on ESPN.com, he's got Jerry Judy one, CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma two, and Henry Ruggs three. It's because these college systems are now running systems that are going to play into the NFL, and that helps these guys a lot. Chris, I didn't even text you this about Michael Pittman, so I might as well just talk to you on the air while I got you about Michael Pittman, the wide receiver for USC. As you well know, the Bears are going to be in need of a wide receiver. I don't know where in this draft, but they're going to, because there is a run on quality wide receivers in this upcoming draft, what do you think of Michael Pittman for your Trojans? Well, yeah, he had a really successful uh, college career at USC. And, and Jonathan, I've seen a couple mock drafts at 43 for the Bears their first pick in the second round, or even at 50, their second pick in the uh, second round, and maybe the Bears select Michael Pittman. So here, here's kind of the breakdown of Pittman. He is a big wide receiver, large frame. He has the ability to make catches in traffic. He's not a speedster, but he's a guy that can high point the ball. He's a guy for possessions. He is uh, at USC. He was one of my favorite players of the course of the last couple of years just because he was reliable. The ball went his way. He made the catch. He scored touchdowns. And he's one of those wide receivers that uh, I don't know if there's a specific stat for it, but you know the play where the wide receiver catches the ball and then a defender goes at him, like at his legs, and he does the get-off-me push, Mm -hmm. and he can just push someone's face into the dirt and continue running? That's what Michael Pittman had at USC. So, So if the Bears do find a way to land someone like Pittman, now, I don't know if it'd be smart to take him at 43, but if the Bears got him at 50, I would be all about that because I think he would be a great addition next to Allen Robinson on the wide receiver core. Chris, I mentioned in hour number one that this is the biggest draft that Pace has ever had because it's pretty clear to all three of us. Anytime that you're just throwing money at free agency, that means that you've made some mistakes in the draft. Because you want to be able to have uh, draft picks that can pay dividends for your team right away so you can plug and play. So you don't have to worry about paying through the nose for you know, for players uh, this past offseason. But the Bears did that. So when you take a look at this draft, when you take a look at what the Bears have done, is there uh, an immediate need that could be able to step in right away and help this team? Yeah, and you know, Jonathan, the way I look at it for Ryan Pace is he needs two starting players with those two picks in the second round. If he doesn't get two starters out of the two picks that he has in the second round, this team is dead in the water. And, you know, I I think to answer your question immediately, I would look at cornerback and offensive line. Uh, I know wide receiver is a need. I know safety is a need. I think we can all agree a quarterback for the future is a need. Those are three things that all have to take place. But I could see him drafting an offensive line player who could immediately start and then also a cornerback to be opposite what we have Kyle Fuller because now with Prince of Mukamura moving on, that's a major hole on this defense that I'm worried about. I don't feel like enough people in town have really talked about that, but a part of the success level of the defense in the past couple of years is that Mukamura and Fuller have been so good on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like cornerback is a need that if Ryan Pace can draft well and find someone here in the second round, that's a guy who could be a day-one starter along with an offensive line type player. Adam, same question about, it. you know, is there a day one starter in this draft based on the Bears draft position that could be productive right away? Because if you're pace, you need that. You, you, you threw some money in free agency, sure, but there's still some holes in this depth chart. I think, I think you got to go safety because mm-hmm. you've got to replace, you know, so much of that defense that's gone if you're going for a day one starter. No, I agree with Chris. You need a quarterback for the future because, you know, uh, Mitch is not the guy. We've all seen what we what Mitch can be. And Nick Foles, the way his contract has worked out, if he goes out and lights it up, he's going to opt out. And I don't know if the, the Bears have the cap space to pay him in, in after next season. But Ryan Pace knows he needs to win now. 
So I don't think you're going to get someone uh, at the corner of the safety position that's that high up. People have been saying, you know, oh, maybe you can get Grant Delpit. Maybe you can get someone like that. But I think that those guys would be gone earlier. So I'm looking at if you need to move up for Grant Delpit, I know that Ryan Pace has done that in the past. You can because after that, the bottom kind of falls out on the safety position. If you want to try to get a corner, you can maybe – a lot of these guys might be still be available. A.J. Terrell out of Clemson was really good. Uh, Jalen Johnson out of Utah had a really good season. I don't know if those guys are going to be around because if you look at all the reports, there could be a run on tackles now in the first five picks of the draft. Like We have no idea how this draft is going to shake out, but I think he goes corner of safety with that first pick to get a day one starter. I don't want him to go tight end. I know that you know a few mock drafts have, have the Bears taking Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. We've seen what he is. It's a bad tight end class this year. You're not getting, you know, uh, I don't think you're getting a, a good day one starter in the tight end position. I wouldn't want him to see go to go wide receiver uh, at 43, maybe at 50, like Chris said. But you need to go corner or safety. And you know what? If he goes, if he goes quarterback, if Jalen's there and Jalen Hurts is there at 43, I would be happy with him taking that because I think you also need to plan for the future. You know, if you look at the draft next year, guys, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. We all know it's going to be Justin Fields as the second overall quarterback. And then what? What are you you going to sell me on is going to be your quarterback of the future if neither of these guys work out? Are you going to get a Kellen Mond? Are you going to get K.J. Costello? Are you going to get Sam Ellinger? These guys aren't, you know, day one starter type quarterbacks that the Bears are going to have to rely on if neither of Trubisky or Nick Foles works out this season. Special edition of Chicago's College Tailgate here on ESPN 1000 with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Don't forget, those uh, these two will be on Saturday at 2.30. I'll be on after them, as a matter of fact, on Saturday. But 2.30 on Saturday, they'll be able to go through. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. CCT We're just the warm-up. We're just the warm-up. <laughs> We're the lounge singers at the beginning, as you know, telling people to tip their waitresses and their bartenders. The national presence of Jonathan Hood giving you the breakdown uh, on Saturday right after Chris and Adam. Uh, again, they are on at two thirty right here on ESPN One Thousand with draft coverage. Okay, Adam. So you know, you know where I'm going next. So which which player that you saw last year? That's going to be in this draft. Do you say, uh, I, I don't see it on the next level. I'll start, start first, and then I want you to go. So I don't see it with Justin Herbert. No, oh, I just, I, I just, I just, I don't see it. We I just, agree. I, it's just too, too. We agree. We all agree. <laughs> I, I, I just think that it is. I just think it's too inconsistent that I saw from him. I saw a touchdown and then a throw at someone's ankles. I saw a great pro play, a great throw to a tight end, to a wide receiver. The next play, he turned it over. I I don't see what Herbert, and of course, you know me as a Georgia guy, I don't see what Fromm. Uh, you know, I just, I don't think, I think Fromm will be drafted. I think he'll be a, a nice backup for someone who could be a game manager, but I just don't see it from either one of those two as far as really taking a step like a Tua or, or, or a Burrow or Jalen Hurts on the next level. Completely agree with you. Uh, I'll address both those guys. To me, they're two completely different guys. Jake Fromm is a game manager. You want a dude, you want a good backup that's not going to come in and screw it up, that's fine. Take Jake Fromm. You want who I think might be the next Jay Cutler with some bad throws, it could be Justin Herbert. If you look at his start from 2017, 2018, 2019, he doesn't get any better. Yes, he had a he had uh, 50% more touchdowns in 2017 and 2018. He also only played half the games and was playing in like garbage time. So he played and threw half as many att- attempts and completions. So he's never actually gotten better. He went from 15 touchdowns with half the performance 29 touchdowns with a full performance here, and then 32 touchdowns. He didn't have a lot of interceptions. Only six interceptions last year, but a lot of poorly thrown balls, like you mentioned, Jonathan, that could turn into interceptions, could turn the ball over. You know, a third down incompletion, it might be just as bad as a turnover in some uh, uh, some situations, right? So you've got to look at it. I just haven't seen enough growth from Justin Herbert to warrant why people are considering taking him over to it. Yes. The floor might not be as bad because of the injury concerns with Tua, but the ceiling on Tua is so many stories higher than it's like when you go into like a neighborhood and they start building up all the buildings around it. There's (laughs) that one house in the middle that won't budge. That to me is Justin Herbert. He just won't budge. He hasn't gotten any better over three years of college. And I don't think he's or four years of college. And I don't think he's ever going to. 
well, who's your guy, Adam? You want to you just take two minutes on Chase Claypool and tell me he's not going to be good? Who do, who do you know? Like, well, who I mean, look, who's that, your guy? The problem is I can't tell you that, like, oh, Cole Komet's not going to be great if you take him as, like, the first uh, tight end taken because he's just a blocker and, okay, he can catch all right, I guess. But, like, there's not – this is a very deep wide receiver group like we've talked about. Like, I'm not going to break down offensive tackle play and be like, this guy doesn't have as good of moves or whatever. I don't like his hand technique. It's the quarterbacks. We analyze quarterbacks. That's what we do. I don't see it from Justin Herbert. He's the one guy that I think is overrated in this draft, and I might be wrong. But from what I've seen watching him play, and I'm always on that late-night West Coast creek trying to chase, and he has cost me over and over again. Uh, and because not because of that, but I just haven't seen it with him. He's just okay. Like he's good. He's good enough to not lose you games. But ultimately, his turnovers and his poorly thrown football uh, might not might translate to more interceptions on this on the next level. Chris, who's the guy in uh, that we saw last year that may just not resonate on the next level for you? Well, I think you guys both nailed it. it. It is Justin Herbert. And, you know, if you look at the stats and what you kind of find is that in Oregon's offense, they threw a lot of screen passes. So his completion percentages and the way they move the ball downfield is inflated based on the short passes he makes. I heard Joel Klatt earlier today say that the problem with Herbert is that he has no finesse. He doesn't throw the ball. He just, I mean, he doesn't pass it. He just throws it as hard as he can. And, and I also know that last week we had Brett Coleman on our show, and he told us that the person that Justin Herbert reminds him of is Mitchell Trubisky because, yeah, he has a hell of an arm, but he can't place it. He can't, he can't lead guys into spots. And that's what being a quarterback in the NFL is all about, is being able to fit into tight windows and to maximize the ability to kind of influence the defense to, to your ability to win. And so – I think Justin Herbert's a guy. I would also point out that, like, I think it's pretty important to kind of follow what happens with Jordan Love from Utah State. Obviously, last year, not as successful of a year that we saw the year before. He had 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and he can make all the throws. But the, the thing is, he's going to be drafted higher than expected because everyone thinks he could be the next Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, it, it's kind of what we saw in the NBA with Stephen Curry and then we see with Trey Young. Everyone thought Trey Young was automatically going to be the next Steph Curry. Can Jordan Love, can a team in the NFL take Jordan Love and turn him into the next Patrick Mahomes? And I think what we'll realize after the fact, and it's kind of how this stuff always works, is that we'll get to a point in the future and we'll look back and say, oh yeah, by the way, there's only one Stephen Curry, just like there's only one Patrick Mahomes. And, and whoever drafts Jordan Love, if they reach will be disappointed. Now, if you're a team in the second round and Jordan Love falls to you, I can see that working out in your benefit. I've even seen mock drafts suggesting that Jordan Love falls to the Lions in the second round. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a Bears fan, that's something that would really concern me because if the Lions get another quarterback who possibly could be working out, that would be a problem. But I think it's those two quarterbacks. It's Herbert and Love. Those are the two I'm keeping my eyes on. Chris, I don't remember. Were we betting Utah State football last year? I don't think. Maybe oh, once. oh yeah, oh yeah. There, 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 there was definitely a Utah State game on the board. <laughs> I just, I just think that's a reach. Like, I, I would consider like Eason from Washington better, a better project than Love. I think sometimes these these reporters and pundits like to be able to try to kind of twist and kind of kind of look with a keen eye, say, "Oh, Jordan Love, he could be this." And I always always look at the competition as well. Like I like Eason, I like Hertz, I like uh, Tua. Obviously, I like Joe Burrow. But sometimes there's some people just like to try to twist and say, "Oh, you know, it's, it's Utah State. You know, they the West Coast creep. Yeah, he's going to be great." But I don't know that for sure. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan. Going back through my notes, I believe you had a pick of utah state uh minus the points against stony brook on ah. september the 7th uh and they covered uh so you you get that one they won 62 to 7 i see okay <laughs> well thank you for that for the copious yeah, yeah. notes i appreciate yeah. that adam, any, <laughs> it's, a quality, adam, it's a quality late night creep right there <laughs> well thank you very much adam lastly uh anything else that stands out to you about this draft you know we have not talked about the running backs and there's a reason they were always focused on the quarterbacks and wide receivers uh but i'm looking forward to seeing what uh k what uh, jk dobbins 
uh, Swift from Georgia, Jonathan Taylor can bring because I think they can bring something to a team. Uh, uh, Hilaire as well from LSU. Yeah, I think those are all guys that'll be you know good productive backs in the NFL. It's just a matter of when you start taking these guys, right? Like, is there is DeAndre Swift the only running back that's taken in the first round? Does J.K. Dobbins you know go early in the second? Where does Hilaire go? Where does Jonathan Taylor go? He's a guy that we focused a lot on on Chicago's college tailgate, just you know based on proximity and even in our Heisman uh, tracker that we would do. So you know, a guy like him who can be a very productive back with a really productive season. He was basically their entire offense that entire year. It's interesting where he goes. Do we get a run on running backs if some of these guys are taking? You know, we're taking all these offensive tackles uh, early. Do the running backs come after that, or have we just kind of learned that you know? Any of these guys, you can, I mean, look, it's pretty deep. People are saying how deep the wide receiver class is. This is pretty, I mean, even A.J. Dillon from Boston College was really good. Kashawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt had a good season. So all these guys are, it's still a pretty deep running back class as well, even though there are, you know, some real difference makers in that top four. So I think any of these guys at running back would be good. Obviously, the Bears don't need one. Uh, I don't think they'll be spending one of their two draft picks in the second round on a running back. I would hope not. Could you imagine if we come in on Friday and dude took a running back, or on Saturday and dude took a running back? Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be something. Uh, so I've got a minute left for both of you. So, Chris, I'll ask you, will the college football season start on time, yes or no? No. Adam? I can't wait for Chicago's college tailgate in February. <laughs> that's not gonna work. Wait a minute. Spring, spring football. Football's a spring sport now. Oh, wow. You know, you know. I here, here's here's why I said no, guys. Um, of all of the sports, college football teams have the most people per team, mm-hmm. and so I think the larger the group, the larger the logistics of getting people together, getting people cleared without a vaccine, and getting people quarantined just makes it so much more difficult. Plus. On a college campus, you're bringing students and uh, collegiate athletes together from all over the country, all over the world, and getting those players to that location and then quarantining them, I think, is just uh, too daunting. Chris, too Chris, daunting of not, a logistical. You're not thinking nightmare. of the money. You're not thinking no, of the I money. No, I know. Uh, I understand money, but listen. If you want to roll out seven-on-seven drills in the fall, then I'm all for it. Listen, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is you can't bring college football back without students being there because then you're telling me that these college football athletes are not students. If they're there and school is not in session, how are they student athletes? They're not students, and we should be paying them. You can't open up that Pandora's box. It's interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, that will be a talking point, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, well, now, uh, Adam, let's turn to Chris now for the CCT scoreboard. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm sorry. That's the, we're not. Guys, tonight uh, to update the scoreboard, uh, did you see that Trey Burton is uh, signing with the Indianapolis Colts? Back to you. Well, thank you very much. And there it is. It's Chris Black and Adam Abdallah again. Saturday at 2.30, they will be there for uh, the last day of the uh, NFL draft. Check them out on ESPN 1000. And don't forget, whenever we get college football back, you can always follow along at ESPN 1000 CCT. Gentlemen, I appreciate the preview. I'm looking, even though it's somewhat sad for me because we invest so much time uh, financially and emotionally uh, in these players. Now they're going to the NFL. So uh, I'm looking forward to the draft, and thanks so much for giving us uh, some of your time. Thanks, Thank Jonathan. you, sir. It is uh, Chris and Adam with us here as we continue on with our NFL draft preview right here on ESPN 1000. You love college football? You've come to the right place. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Go! Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 as we get you ready for the Bears in the NFL draft. Our coverage starts tomorrow night. I'll be on with Freddie Coleman after the uh, first round of the uh, NFL draft on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80 and believe on ESPN 1000 as well. Uh, and then on Friday, uh, we'll be here. We'll be able to go through rounds, uh, the second and third round of the uh, NFL draft, and we'll get a chance to take a look at 
uh, what the Bears could do there will be on Friday, special time, 6 o'clock on Friday night from 6 to about 10.30 or 11 o'clock as we review those drafts. Tom Waddle will be with me. J.D. will be with me as well. So looking forward to that. And then Saturday when the draft is over, after Chris and Adam, I'll be on afterwards with the wrap-up on a Saturday night. So plenty of NFL and Bears coverage for you right here on Chicago's Home for Sports ESPN 1000. Great to talk to Chris and Adam as we now transition to talk to Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. Kevin has done a terrific job on TheAthletic.com, breaking down a lot of the nuances with the Chicago Bears team and this upcoming draft. I just talked to him recently. We talked about the Bears' depth chart and the defensive line and and talking about the Trevathan contract. But I also asked him uh, about Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace, the Bears always seem to get get it right on the defensive line uh, in the draft. They continue to get that right on a regular basis. So I asked Kevin about how the Bears continue to strike gold on the defensive line. They really do, and I actually am working on something for later this week, Jonathan, looking at some of these positions that they don't draft and develop like they have the defensive line. I mean, they've done this. They've worked with this position group perfectly, from Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols being good draft picks to striking gold with Akeem Hicks in free agency, and then you get an undrafted guy in Roy Robertson-Harris who's turned out to be a good player for you, You've had other good players run through there like Nick Williams um, and a great position coach in Jay Rogers. I mean, they would love for any other position on this team to uh, have that kind of ability to just reload instead of having to rebuild and spend a lot of money and spend draft resources. But that's kind of been the spot that year after year after year, it's been their strength. Also on the defense, let's talk about the corner spot because I, we're very strong with Kyle Fuller. I mean, that guy's a difference-making player. Uh, screen at the nickel, now at the right side of that cornerback spot with Tolliver, Artie Burns, who I see is more of a special teams guy. I think that uh, what I'm looking at here, Kevin, for the draft is to be able to bolster that position and look into free agency if that's possible. What What do you think of Tolliver um, and do you think that the Bears are going to address this? Yeah, you know, you, you just named three guys that none of them are proven, and you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, Robers has never played an NFL game. I think Tolliver might have the physical skill set that you're looking for, but he's still an undrafted guy. Um, you know, he was inactive the first couple of games this past season, then stepped in for Amukabara late. Uh, so you, you, you kind of have an idea what you have with him. They were really hopeful about him last spring. Um, so there, there is a lot that they like. Uh, I'm just not sure if they're ready to give him the job day one. You mentioned Artie Burns. Showed promise early in his career at Pittsburgh. Really kind of fell off there. And, and that's kind of a, all right, change of scenery. I, I think that this is a, a, a position that if they want to go ahead and draft a guy in round two and, and still make this guy, make, make whoever it is, compete for that role, I think you're in a good spot. Because, you know, Kyle Fuller's, a huge cap number in 2021, and then, and then his contract voids. So you got to start thinking about the future here uh, at corner. I, I'm very curious to see you know, that this is one of those positions they don't really draft corners. Uh, they haven't in the first three rounds since Kyle Fuller in 2014. Um, but they might be sitting there thinking, we really like Kevin Tolliver. We think we have some intrigue in Roberson and Burns. We're fine. We don't need to use a premium draft pick on the spot. So that's just one of those things, Jonathan, where it's going to be really interesting where the draft will tell us a little bit about what they think of these guys. But because we're not going to have OTAs in minicamp, presumably, we're really not going to have any idea what the coaches really think about some of these open positions until whenever it is we get to see the team on the field. So, Kevin, you've rang this bell a couple times regarding Trevathan uh, at inside linebacker. And the, the, the bell that you've been ringing is like, okay, so you're going to go with Trevathan even though um, we could take a look at Nick Kwiatkowski, someone who's younger, and it seems like the money is pretty similar. Do I have that right? The, the money that Kwiatkowski signed for and what Trevathan signed for is somewhat similar, even though – Again, Trevathan is older than Nick was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, virtually identical when you looked at some of the particulars of those contracts. And, you know, I I think it might be – I was a little surprised Trevathan got as much money as he did. It is very rare at that position, at that age, with his injury history, to get that kind of contract. Um, That does not happen very much. So, you know, that says a lot, I think, about the Bears' value and what he brings to the locker room. Um, a little bit more of a leader 
uh, you know, vocal leader than Kwiatkowski is. I mean, and frankly, when healthy, there's no question Trevathan's a better player than Nick Kwiatkowski. So, you know, I, I, I can, I can see the, you know, why they felt comfortable with that money, even though there's the age gap there, because you know Trevathan's a better player. Um, but yeah, you're you're obviously taking a risk there when a guy once a guy hits 30 and he has an injury history. Now, granted, I think last year's injury was a bit of a freak injury. Um, you know, his elbow just bent the wrong way. It's not the type of thing that's going to be a lingering situation that should impact him this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there was some money there. Part of that contract in their mind is this is someone we need to make sure keeps everyone on the right page in a really important season. Now, you see, there's a difference between, like, Pace and, say, Theo Epstein, right? Theo would have went with the younger asset in that spot and would have parted with the veteran, even though, as you mentioned, Trevathan, like, brings leadership to the table, but there's been injuries there. Kwiatkowski, he was still raw, but it seems like almost every game he gave you something, gave you a play. So he was growing in the position, Kevin. So if it was my choice, I would have went with Kwiatkowski, especially if the money's even, because that's the younger player. Yeah, and you know who I think who else would have done that is Bill Belichick. Yes, you know, he is. Yeah, he is known for knowing the right time to move on from a, an aging player. Um, now, Grant doesn't necessarily mean he always pays the younger player. You know, sometimes in those situations he might go find somebody else. Um, but you're right. I think this is a situation too, and we saw it with Jimmy Graham. We saw it with Robert Quinn. This is a job security free agency situation. Um, you know, Theo's got a lot of job security. Um, you know, down over at Addison and Clark. Uh, Ryan Pace this year, now maybe Ryan Pace in 2015, 2016, would have felt more comfortable making this move. But I, I think for a lot of these contracts, Jonathan, I kind of look at it as Ryan Pace being like, you know what, I just got to win in 2020. I'll worry about 2021 if I can still be the GM in 2021. In his mind, I, I, when I look at every contract, I try to put myself in that frame of mind, which is, what makes us better for 2020? And I think, again, health plays a big role. A healthy Trevathan is better for you, not significantly, but enough than Kwiatkowski. And then you deal with the other years the agent wants, um, and you just worry about that another time. I don't think that's necessarily, in a long-term view, obviously a good way to, to manage your team and manage your salary cap. But I'm just trying to uh, you know, speculate the way the, the Bears GM is thinking, knowing that it's hard to be a general manager in this, in this league for six seasons and only make the playoffs once. Um, it's a little better if you can get to the playoffs again um, in your sixth season. So the Bears have like 10 tight ends on the depth chart I see in front of me here. So the Bears are going to draft one, right? <laughs> well, yeah. They have 10 tight ends, Jonathan, but do they have one? Right. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. You know, and that was the, the interesting thing, putting this depth chart together, is we started with looking at these positions they've made a big investment in, and talk quarterback, tight end, outside linebacker. And, and you can argue they still need to draft guys at all those positions. I, I don't know. Who, I don't know if your 2021 tight end is on the roster. Now, going back to what I just said about Ryan Pace, that might not matter to him. Um, but, you know, you have a lot of young guys that might show a little upside, you know, guys who played basketball in college or uh, guys who were undrafted rookies last year that, you know, like a Jesper Horstead or a Dax Raymond. And I mean, you, but are, are any of these guys the real deal? I don't know. I mean, this is this year's version of kicker. And I would not really uh, criticize. I don't. I don't think I would really criticize it if they decided to take a tight end in round two. Um, that's someone that they would start right away as your wide tight end. You're moving on from Adam Shaheen. Um, again, I don't. I don't know if that's out of the realm of possibility because you you don't have a whole lot of answers at that position, even though you have all these guys. So uh, you look at this draft, and sometimes it's hyperbole, but I believe it's true now, Kevin. I, I look at the, because I'm a big college football fan, I'll take a look at the wide receivers, the top 12, 12, top 15, I would say, that's on this list in front of me. And I think that a lot of these wide receivers can help a team and, and can really pay dividends. So when I look at um, Allen Robinson, Riley Ridley, uh, Anthony Miller, can you go and start the season with those three, or would you add someone? Would you look at a wide receiver? Because I'd say Allen Robinson is someone I like, and it's still a question mark about Riley Ridley at the Z. Yeah, you know, when you look at some of these mock drafts around that 43 to 50 range, you see some of those wide receivers there. 
uh, you know, some really dynamic players, guys that can step in day one and just bring some necessary speed to this offense. Um, and, and I wonder how tantalizing that's going to be for Ryan Pace and especially Matt Nagy, as opposed to, you know, maybe an offensive lineman who's going to be, who's going to have a redshirt year or a quarterback who's going to have a redshirt year. You know, the, the, the allure of a wide receiver who can step in right away. And, and you know, it, can, it can go for cornerback and safety too, or you potentially have starting jobs open. I think it's a really intriguing spot, it's, and mainly because it's such a deep group of wide receivers, of guys that could be there when you're on the clock at 43. Um, you know, thinking back to what you said earlier, uh, Jonathan, talking about the tight end, mm-hmm. I think the only two positions that are, I'll say three, the, only, the three positions that I would really scratch my head if the Bears took at 43 would be defensive line, running back, and inside linebacker. I think every other position, um, outside special teams, of course, is in play. And wide receiver is right there. You don't know Anthony Miller, he's, got, he's in rehab you know, for an injury again. So he's rehabilitating that at Hallis Hall. When is he going to be ready to go? Last year it took him until midseason to really get into it. Riley Ridley, you know, if you asked me six weeks ago, I'd feel really good about Riley Ridley. But now with everything going on, he's not going to get that full offseason. Um, you know, you've seen what you have in Javon Wims. There's something there, but I'm not sure if he's a, a frontline guy. So you have a ton of question marks, I think, at a position, even though you're bringing back all those players. So, yeah, when you consider the strength of the draft as receiver and the guys who could be there for you, I would be very intrigued by the, the idea of taking a receiver for them um, at one of those two second-round picks. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. I know the leagues. I know the teams. I know these players. I know this wonderful game called football. It's time for Value Bet. Oh, this is when the cream rises to the top. This is when things get hot. The largest sports wagering angles you need to know. Stats. Records, rankings, weather. If the goalpost is tilted just a little bit. Value bet on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. You can bet your children's, unborn children's, children on these six games. Value bet. This is America's premier sports information program. Here's Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We're going to put money in your pocket right now with some NFL draft props. If you're going to do some prop betting here with the NFL draft taking place tomorrow, you got to hear from Mitch Moss from VSIN. Go to VSIN.com. And he joins me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. Mitch, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate that. A- absolutely. But before we dive in, so, uh, so your mayor there, Carolyn Goodman in uh, Vegas, is she? Uh, are, are you guys open for business now? I saw the interview earlier today, and I'm, I'm I was just befuddled by what she was saying. I, I put it this way: I think if uh, if she got everything to go her way, she'd say we're open for business tomorrow. Let's open up McCarran Airport. Let's offer free flights. Everybody, come on! We're going to the, sh- the strip's already shut down. Let's have as many people as we can on the strip and have the draft like we were going to originally. Uh, I could not believe what I was watching today on television. Uh, just some of the stuff that came out of her mind, I mean, came out of her mouth, to actually throw out there that she wants us to be a control group and then we'll react after uh, certain you know sections of the city get completely sick and then go to work then. Some of the most baffling uh, 10 minutes of TV I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it, just, it was just unbelievable. I, I had no idea what she was talking about, and I just... <laughs> I mean, just like we just turn the news on, you can see what's going on here in our world, and it's uh, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Uh, apparently, there's no TVs in some some people's houses, I guess. So, yeah, so incredible. Mitch, I got to ask you about uh, some prop bets here because now I can be able to put some money down. I'll I'll ask you this: uh, What is appeasing to you as far as prop bets with quarterbacks taken? What stands out most about the quarterbacks uh, that you could bet on? Well, so it depends on, like, in the first round, what number you're going to find. You can find four and a half in a lot of sports books, but the under is going to be juiced to the moon. It might be worth it. I cannot envision a scenario at this point how we get five quarterbacks. You're going to have to pay a heavy price on that. 
but we're not going to get five. I, I can't see that happening. In terms of the overall order, uh, I guess it, it goes into, you know, what, what do you actually buy at this point? You know, less than 24 hours before the draft actually starts, that at this time tomorrow night we're going to be past pick six. So that means, in theory, the Dolphins and Chargers are going to have their picks already in hand. So does the order go Burrow, Herbert, Tua, then Love, which is the way it looked like earlier in the week? And if you want to go back maybe a couple of days before that, because originally, of course, it looked like it was going to probably be uh, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, then Love. And then all of a sudden, you know, Love drops like a rock. And now there's some steam on Hurts. And I can't believe that Hurts would ever be a first-round pick. But the idea of Love maybe dropping so far could Hurts be the first, fourth quarterback taken overall. I don't think I want to go that far. But now you're hearing late team the other way towards Love. that teams are actually interested in maybe late teams or in the 20s at some point. So... It, 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 I, I think it comes down to where you're at individually with the Dolphins. Like, do you actually buy that the Dolphins are super serious about trading up from five to three, getting ahead of the Giants to take the offensive lineman that they really, really want, or is it to actually get a quarterback? If so, I think the quarterback would actually be Herbert instead of Tua, or do they stay at five where they're picking? And this offense, like Michael Lombardi, who's a, a part of our team on Houston, he tweeted this out earlier today. And he was serious. They want to get ahead of the Giants, not for two, but for the best tackle. That is real. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. Like, there are plenty of great offensive linemen in the draft. You think the Giants are probably going to take one, but you're going to have your pick of the litter at number five. So the whole thing is just a little baffling to me right now. So I should ask you where the sharp money is or what's the best advice. Say, for instance, I'll use... um... I'll use Justin Herbert for an example. So uh-huh. on one side, I see that uh, the draft position, uh, the over is five and a half, the under is yep. five and a half. So, and then on the other side, which team will draft Justin Herbert? And again, you've got from the Chargers, Jaguars, Dolphins, Raiders to choose from. Where, where is the value? Where is the value greater at the draft position or where the team will draft a certain player? I would say probably at the draft position, although that's going to be you know, either 110 on both sides to go over under uh, five and a half or however it's been used at certain books, wherever they're getting handled. So, for example, the under five and a half earlier in this week probably was like minus 125 over plus 105. And I haven't looked in the last couple of hours, but that may, that may have flipped with this dude Miami. And now the over might be the favorite. Uh, but you can, get, you can get better value if you try to pick. For example, there's one book out here, Circus Sports. They have the exact landing spot, not by the team, but the number of the draft pick, where two is going to go, and they, they did it, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way down. So if you think you know where two is going to get selected, number two, number five, number six, number 12, wherever it might be, you can bet on that, and you can get some really good odds. The problem is that you have to hit that exact pick, and that's not, I mean, the likelihood of doing that is not, I mean, it's easier said than done, put it that way. So I would stick to betting the over-under on the draft positions, and I'll throw two out there again, how these numbers can move. He was three and a half at some books. I think over the weekend and earlier this week, he actually moved to five and a half. So you got to pay attention to this stuff and uh, try to get the best number. But this, this stuff changes all the time. So, you know, to, it's, you know, you know it, it, this year is no example. Uh, the amount of smoke coming out right now is crazy. We have no other sports going on, so everybody's paying attention to the draft. <laughs> Mitch Moss from VSIN, again, VSIN.com. Go to the website uh, for videos and information. Mitch joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000. So, as you well know, Mitch, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing these wide receivers on the next level, and there's a ton of them. This is not hyperbole. There's some really good wide receivers, but I don't know if it's going to be if these wide receivers are so good that we're going to see five or more taken in the first round. And I see the over-unders at five and a half. How, how do you see that as far as receivers taken in the first round? Well, again, this goes back. So I, I like the over five and a half, and mm-hmm. here's why. Because now, now let's think about this out loud for a second, because we're going to get four minimum, right? Yes, Like we're getting the sure. big three, and then just, like Jefferson's going to go first round for sure. For we, sure. We can agree on that? Yep. And then, okay, so then after that, okay, I, I absolutely will admit that I have a tough time trying to pinpoint which receivers are going to go after Jefferson. But I do, let's say Jefferson has gone by 21 to the Eagles. When you look at picks 22 through 32, there are a lot of picks and a lot of teams you know, in those numbers right there that need wide receiver. And so if you have four off the board at 22, and I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm being conservative with that number 22 number. Jefferson might go higher than that, but let's just play this game for a second. 
You're going to have the Vikings. You're going to have the, the Patriots. You're going to have the Saints. You're going to have the 49ers. You're going to have the Packers. Like that's five teams right there, top of my head, that could all use a wide receiver, and all you need is two more. And I know a lot of people are making the case, and this, by the way, this number on the prop has changed. And I know over five and a half recently was like minus 315 or 325 here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And that has come down big time because of some steam on the under. And I've heard some draft nicks saying that their best bet on the board is actually to go under five and a half. So um, I like it over five and a half for, for the reasons why I said it. But hearing people speak that, you know, cover this thing for a living and know more than I do, and they talk to teams, maybe they're onto something here. Well, okay, so you mentioned Jefferson from LSU, who is terrific. Judy and Ruggs from Alabama. CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Now, Now here's the tricky part. Are you looking at Denzel Mims from Baylor first round, or is he more high second? Claypool from Notre Dame? Maybe second round T. Higgins from Clemson. That that's mm-hmm. I like the number on that because it's a little tricky. I I may go under because I don't know. Will people look at Mims as a, a bottom of the first or high second? And that's where it gets a little tricky there. Almost almost I may actually lay off. We'll see. You know you know what could happen to help your side of the bet is that teams at the back end of the first round. You know how they always love to trade and they go into the second round to pick up more picks later on. That could be a case where. They actually do trade back into the second round early because they think there's going to be a lot of value and we have so many receivers coming out that they say, you know, rather than taking our guy at number 25, for example, let's move back. We'll pick like fourth overall in the second round. I'm just throwing a number out there. We'll get more picks, and then we'll take a guy that we really like, a wide receiver, because they're going to be available. So I think the idea of that happening could actually help you under five and a half and you catch that ticket. Any other exotic bets that stand out to you, Mitch, uh, for this draft? So I bet I bet this, again, this goes back again probably a good week. I bet the exact order of the top three picks. I bet Burrow 1, Young 2, and then Justin Herbert because I, I found a number at plus 1650 in that to happen. And that looked like when it was real, when the Dolphins could trade up to number three with the lines and take them at that point. Uh, I would not, I think you can actually look for, because if, if, if you're buying again into the Dolphins here, maybe trading up to go offensive linemen, you can find exact order of Burrow, Young, and then Wills from Alabama, uh, and that's a pretty uh, heavy number in the 12 or 13 to 1 range right now. Or if the Lions keep their pick, I think the Lions take Derek Brown, the defensive lineman for Auburn. Uh, that's the guy that I'm going with right now. You can find him to be the third overall pick at 4 or 5 to 1. You can find him to go in those exact props with a pretty good payback as well. Uh, that's what I'd be looking at right now. Last one, and, and I'll tell you what I, you tell me what you think. Total SEC players drafted in the first round. Uh, see, I got it at 15 and a half. I like the under slightly in that. And there's supposed to be a run. Of course, the SEC, it's the best conference. Um, I saw several mocks that said 16 at least. I'm just going to just be on the safe side. I'll just say under 15 and a half, even though it is a tremendous conference, as we know. No, I think I think that's a good bet. Uh, I bet Al- I bet Alabama over five and a half because that's six, but that was at plus money. But I do think the SEC is going to stay under. I saw a mock from a – I forget who it was because I've read so many of them, but it was a respected guy you know, in media circles. He had 12 SEC players in one of the mocks. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you got – so 16 is exactly – and I, I get it. The SEC, they're loaded with talent, yada, yada, yada. But to get you know at least half of the first round from your conference, that's a big ask. So I think 15 and a half is, is worth a play. Again, don't forget to go to vsin.com for all your uh, your sports gambling needs. Yes, there is an opportunity to put a play on this NFL draft, and we've uh, illustrated that for you. Mitch, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, as always. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the draft tomorrow night. Absolutely. It's uh, Mitch Moss from VSIN. Uh, follow the money with us here. Uh, we will talk more about the Bears. What will the Bears do here in the draft? What are their needs? We address it as we move forward right here. Under the Hood on WMVP Chicago. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.